like the entire atmosphere changes. The, the weather drops like 20 degrees Fahrenheit, 25 degrees, and you have trees, you know, and like mountainous uh, terrain. So it's just a unique experience. It's on this little island in Hawaii, and you would never even think it. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. I have been stalking today's guest for a while because I noticed him on Instagram and I was actually a little jealous when I saw all the stuff that he posts. And I, I was thinking, what does this guy do? And uh, I started studying him a little bit. And then I realized that he is the person with the world's largest travel social media account. And one of them is Luxury World Traveler and there is other stuff. And then I saw all these pictures in the Temple of Karnak, in Santorini. I saw customized cappuccinos and whatever. So I really, really am excited to have Chill and Tolin on my Most Memorable Journeys podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you taking your time. And um, what I usually do at the beginning when I have a guest, because it's a travel podcast at the end of the day, I start ask people, when were you on the pl on a plane for the first time? When was I on a plane for the first time? Oh, wow. No one's ever asked me that question. That's a good question. Uh, first time I was ever on a plane was my family. We flew from Los Angeles to Phoenix. It wasn't a far flight, <laughs> but for me, it was really big because... You know, I grew up in a family with that was like lower middle class. So the, the, even to get on a plane then was quite incredible. And I have two younger sisters that uh, went on to be like world class gymnasts and represented the U.S. national team. And they had a competition in Phoenix. And uh, we all got to fly there because the I don't even think we didn't pay for it. I think the organization did. So I still remember that. It was a big thing for me. Well, I wasn't first or business class, but it was still, you know, memorable. <laughs> So, it, yeah, because uh, I think we're going to get to first and business class a little later <laughs> for now. It's it's uh, it's economy. Yeah. So that was your first experience. And then you um, told me before that you were in a completely different business before you started the, the traveling or, or, or earning money with traveling or, or organizing all this traveling. How did this all come about? Yeah, great question. Um, my background and degree was in finance and that's all that I knew. And I, you know, went into corporate finance right out of college. And then I went from, I, I was working in the auto industry in the U S which is a really big business, getting people loans. that can't, you know, obviously afford to pay cash, which is about 95% of the, the market. Then I went into mortgage loans when the real estate market in the U S really caught fire around 2002, 2003. And, uh, you know, quickly started my own company and, and did really well into the financial crash of 2008, 2009, you know, when pretty much the entire world went into a recession. So uh, at that point, um, I had to start all over and I didn't know what I was going to do. And uh, funny enough, I had a, a, a spiritual advisor that, um, you know, saw the situation I was in. I was pretty much in the midst of losing everything, everything that I had worked. I had built, you know, bought my uh, dream home and cars and, you know, everything was like you, I had expected it to be, you know, like dream life, everything was great. And then it all got taken from me. So I was in a really bad situation and he wanted me to uh, go on a mission trip with him to Africa. And uh, I didn't really want to, because I'm like, how can I help other people when I can't really even help myself right now? Um, so I decided to do it. And then he wanted me to actually co-organize it, which seemed like 
crazy at the time, right? Because I was in the whole poor me and, you know, my life sucks and why me? I was really in a bad spot. And I know a lot of other people have been in those spots, right? Where you're dead broke. You see no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Uh, but uh, yeah, he he convinced me to go. And so what ended up happening was I put together a team of 10 individuals to go, uh, one of which was my brother-in-law. He played professional football in the United States. So he ended up paying for me to go because I'm like, I can't pay for myself. And long story short, I ended up in Uganda, Africa at a orphanage. And while I was at the orphanage, I had a life altering experience, which uh, really changed my life because here I was feeling sorry for myself in the midst of what I thought was the worst time of my life. And then I got to a place where I was in an orphanage in one of the poorest countries in the world. And uh, the children that were there were just so excited to see us and, you know, exploded in this song and this dance. And they did this whole routine for us. And uh, it really just changed me because I was like, here I am, you know, feeling sorry for myself, thinking that like, you know, uh, I'm losing everything. And uh, here's children that really have nothing and no opportunity and are orphans and don't even have electricity or running water or, like all the basics that I take for granted every day. And, uh, you know, they're, they're happier than most people I knew in the U.S. So right then and there, I was like, okay, whatever I do next, it's going to be in travel because I feel like traveling, especially internationally, when you immerse yourself in another culture can really have uh, a lasting and, and prolific impact on your life. And then really like paying it forward, helping other people, uh, just because that feeling was so great. You know, we went there thinking we had raised money to help them, but really, uh, and in hindsight for me, they had changed my entire outlook on life and, uh, and it was uh, life altering. So I knew I wanted to go into the travel industry after that, but really that's where my mind sh- set shifted was during that experience. That's amazing. I, um, you know, I don't know if you know that, but if you have running water and electricity and the roof over your head and a little food in your fridge and a little money in your wallet or in your bank account, you are part of 8% of the world population. Yeah. Eight. So, I mean, when you think we forget very often when we feel sorry for ourselves for some rubbish. And of course, our problem at this moment is the biggest and that is human. But then Sometimes it's good to take a little a step back and and take a little distance and understand that um, there is worse. So you understood that you wanted to help. You also probably understood one thing that I always, I mentioned that in every single episode, you probably also understood that we are all the same. We all need safety and we all need, um, we need an income and we want to be happy. I think that's a universal need. How did you go about? What did you do then? So, you know, it's funny, like, so I came home and I realized, uh, well, first of all, I came home, I was still in the midst of losing my house, my cars, and a lot of other things I thought were important, but my, my attitude changed. And then I decided, okay, you know, I got to change my attitude. I got to start being more positive. I got to start thinking more positive. I got to be around more positive people. So around that time, um, I think like 2009, 2010, that's when the movie The Secret came out and it was really like, you know, your thoughts control your, your mind, your mind controls where you're going to be. So I watched that movie. I, I, I seriously, I made a vision board about what I wanted my life to be like. And um, I was so adamant about it. I actually posted it to Facebook and tagged like 
all my friends, all my family, anyone that was important to me. Cause I, you know, I felt like if I'm really going to do this, I want to go all in and I want to make it public. Right. And I want to be held accountable. So I remember I posted it and everyone's like, wow, it looks awesome. And like at that point in my life, it seemed quite, um, like a little crazy because, you know, there was like private yachts and private jets and, you know, luxury villas and hotel rooms and white sand beaches and, and all this life of luxury, 80% of it was travel based. Uh, when, when I look back at it, it's still on my Facebook, which is funny. Like there's still a picture of it, but like 80% of it was travel based. Right. And so then like shortly after I made that, uh, my son was on Instagram with my two nephews. So they're all like, uh, they were all like around 11 to 13 years old. And it was Christmas time. And I get together with my sister every year for Christmas. Uh, it's like a family thing, tradition. We're Mexican family. So everyone gets, comes together. And I remember I walked in the room one day and my son and then my two nephews who were all about the same age were on the couch giggling. And then, you know, or like, I was like, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, we're on Instagram. And I was like, what is what's Instagram? They're like, oh, you know, it's like pictures and filters. And that's all it really was at the time. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they're like, yeah, you just share it with friends. And I'm on there forget. I'm like, oh, so it's like Facebook. And my son's like, dad, Facebook's for old people. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that all the time. <laughs> I mean, I literally, I was like 31 years old at the time. I'm like, I'm not old. What the? So anyway, I grabbed his phone and, um, I grabbed his phone and I saw a picture of the Maldives, which I didn't even know where the Maldives were at this point in time. It's like 2011. I had no idea where the Maldives were. And I just found this other page that was kind of like a travel team page, similar to mine now. It was just showcasing beautiful places. And then I then I saw a picture of like Zanzibar, which I had no idea where that was at, like Mauritius, Union Island, Seychelles. Uh, with Sundays in Australia, places that I had never even like that were outside of my scope of, you know, like I'd heard of Bora Bora and Fiji, but I had no idea of the difference. You know, I knew Hawaii because it was close to me. But, you know, prior to social media, people forget this, prior to social media, and let, if you wanted to really learn about something on the other side of the world, you had to go on the internet or you had to like go into an encyclopedia, right? It wasn't like readily available and it wasn't in your face every day like it is today. So, uh, so I found the page intriguing and, you know, I'd spent a lot of my money and resources on traveling and luxury uh, when I, when I did really well financially. So I said, you know what, I want to start a page, you know, that's based on like luxury travel. And it was really just a passion project. At that point, there was no term influencer. There was no term social media influencer or content. There was none of that. I just started it as a passion because I told myself I love travel. And I thought it was just a great platform at that time to to share travel experiences on. So that's exactly what I did. And, um, and I got very addicted to it very quickly. And soon enough, I was spending like six to seven hours every Sunday night researching all these destinations on the other side of the planet, just so I could populate my Instagram with the best hotels and the best experiences and the most beautiful places and waterfalls and beaches. And you know, all the reasons why people travel restaurants and this, and when I first started, I would um, select a different destination every week. And I would just focus on that destination for one week and then try to put together what I felt like were the, the prettiest places and the greatest you know, uh, things to do there, the best hotels to stay at and best restaurants. And a lot of people found it like a really good travel guide and connected with it. And it started to grow very quickly, you know, and like Instagram really became like my online vision board because I was spending so much time and energy on it and looking at it every day. And back then there wasn't scheduled posts. So I'd have like an alarm on my phone. I was posting six to eight times a day for the first five years, which sounds insane now, I know. But I'd have an alarm on my phone every day. I'd be at work, 
doing a job I hated, my alarm would go off, I would post. My alarm would go off, I would post. And I, you know, and I would do that throughout the day. And it just got to be like a, a habit for me. But the, you know, I, it was the timing was right. You know, Instagram, like a year after that, got bought by Facebook. And then a lot of people started to move and my, my page grew and got big at a time when it was a lot easier. And so I was really lucky to kind of like catch that wave. It was like almost perfect timing, right? How amazing. How amazing. Now, I was a tour guide from 1980 to 1991 when there were no um, cell phones and no internet. And I worked in the Maldives. There was only the North and the South Mali Atoll and they started developing Ari Atoll. The fastest that we could travel with was a, a speedboat. And oh, wow. it was absolutely amazing. It was an amazing experience. And I was very, very bored, I have to tell you. Six months mm-hmm. in the Maldives there. And there was, I, I learned to dive. I didn't, I had to do something. I just had to keep myself, get myself tired. But it's fascinating. So you did, you actually started posting all this stuff without traveling to these places. Yeah. Funny enough. So when I first started my page, I started with stuff that I had done. But, you know, at this point in time, rewind to 2013, 2014. I wasn't a photographer. I knew nothing about photography then, you know, nothing. There was no videos on Instagram. Um, I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know anything. Um, I just knew what a good picture looked like. And then for me, uh, you know, once I would research an area and then I would find like places like Angel Falls in Venezuela, we're like, oh my God, this is that. Mm -hmm. Then once I would find it, then I would go like on Google, Bing and Yahoo Images and I would try to find the best high resolution version of these places. And so quickly I started to really become like an expert in all these countries because I would thoroughly, I would spend, like I said, six or seven hours a week just trying to learn as much as I could about the kind the kind of people would go there. Right. And I started to see patterns. Like it was for restaurants, it was for hotels, it was for beaches, it was for landmarks, it was for natural, you know, natural beauty, whether that be mountains or waterfalls or rivers or whatever. Like there was reasons why. And then and then the great thing about Instagram is I could instantly see how well it was received by the community. Right. And then you get to see how many likes and comments. And so I started to see the things that were performing well and things that weren't. And then I started to identify patterns in the photos and how they were composed and what they look like as to what was really performing well. And so it really taught me a skill set, which was, you know, what photos and video or at that point photos needed to look like in order for it to perform well. Um, And then once I kind of had identified that, then I, that's all that we started posting. Uh, Back then the popular page was nine photos. That was it. So if you made the popular page back in 2014, the entire world saw your photo for two and a half hours and you could gain 15 to 20,000 followers. Uh, those were the, That's I call those the good old days. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because now it's really much more difficult. So at some point though, this became your business. Yeah. So it was towards the end of 2014, early 2015. I, at this point I had started to get invited to hotels to stay for free in exchange for taking a couple photos and posting them, which to me sounded crazy. Uh, But it was really after Facebook purchased Instagram that I realized that Instagram wasn't just a fad because at that point, Facebook was the social media platform. You know, Zuckerberg was already a superstar and his company, you know, the value was just going up, up and up. And I realized that like, okay, if Facebook is buying these guys for a billion dollars in 2014 or whatever it was, 
then there must be something to it. And I just found myself spending way more time on Instagram and way less time on Facebook. Right. Like it just, I could just see, and then I just started to see the pattern and like my son and all his friends, like none of them, it was great. Cause I had like a perfect, you know, gen X or gen Z or like in my house, none of them were on Facebook. They're spending all their time in Instagram. And I'm like, this is the next generation. Right. Like, I decided to make a move and uh, I, I can't say that it was easy. Uh, a lot of people back then were like, you're going to do what? <laughs> you're going to leave your business to pursue a career in what? Like Instagram? Like, yeah, you have a, I had a couple hundred thousand followers at the time. They're like, yeah, but can you really do it? But uh, you know, for me, I was just really, really now into it. And my passion for travel had grown immensely. And, uh, you know, I've been an entrepreneur before and I just said, look, I think there's a great opportunity. If I don't do this now, I might kick myself in the butt. Um, I'm going to have to work super long hours, you know, and I have a lot of downtime, but uh, I think I can make it work. And so, yeah, I made the conscious decision to, in the beginning of 2015, to stop doing what I was doing and really pursue this full time. And uh, it was, in hindsight, one of the best decisions of my life. But at yeah, the time, it was very that. difficult. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I can say that. Very but difficult, yeah, at the time. Isn't it also, I mean, isn't this what it's all about? It's taking a risk because you could have stayed there and just earned your money and, and you know, doing a, a job that you didn't really like. Isn't that what most people do anyway? You know, it's 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 leaving the comfort zone and taking that risk and actually doing it and not being afraid of failure. You didn't know that it was going to work when you started. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't know at all. But uh, I just figured, you know, I wanted I went back to that, that um, time in 2008, 2009. I'm like, look, you wanted to do something in travel. Uh, you've now created something. And at that point, I had a couple hundred thousand followers. So my account was one of the biggest accounts in, in, the, in the world at that time. I mean, there was, you know, even most celebrities only had like 100,000 or 200,000 or 300,000 followers. And, um, you know, I started getting invited to stay at hotels. I started getting uh, a proposition to pay me to post their hotels for like, so I just figured, you know, I've always been really like a hustler entrepreneur. I'm like, I think I can make this work, but it's going to take my full-time dedication, mm -hmm. right? And at the very beginning, it might not be easy, but really I don't want to do finance and real estate anymore, right? It wasn't my passion. I, did, I didn't like wake up and be like, yes, I can't wait to get to the office. It was more like the, probably the opposite of what most people, uh, you know, experience every single day. Like the alarm goes off and you're like, oh God, you know, like you're not excited to, to go to yeah, work. Yeah. Um, but once I was able to start traveling and I started to be able to visit some like incredible places, especially in my, in my local area and then surrounding areas, then it really started to, you know, get exciting because these were places that there's no way I could have afforded to stay at that time. Like absolutely not a thousand dollars a night, $2,000 a night, you know, $2,500 a night places like in Hawaii and Costa Rica and Mexico that I was like, Oh my God. So you're going to have me there for four days. I don't have to pay anything. And all you want me to do is put a couple of photos on my Instagram and tag you. And they're like, yes. I was like, where do I sign? <laughs> sign me up. Right. Yeah. Um, but I also then started to see that like, you know, this was going to be the wave of the future. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I started to do a lot of research and I started to notice that like we were in the midst and we still are of the biggest shift in marketing the world's ever seen. Right. Because like, Traditional marketing, once the TV became main, you know, mainstay in like the 40s uh, and early 50s, like TV, magazines, radio were really it until the beginning of social media. That's how you got your message across. 
right? I mean, that was it. Like that was the uh, the way to do it. And then when social came, I saw that like there was a new way to actually spread messages and it was faster and it was more effective and it was measurable, right? You could actually see how many people liked and commented. You could see how many people were responding. And I just thought, we're not going to go, we're not going backwards, right? Kids now, I remember a real funny story. So uh, again, I was at my sister's house. It was like a Christmas after the one where I started my Instagram and uh, like big family there. One of my aunts uh, was married to a guy who was in his late seventies, real cowboy, ex-cop, right? Um, wore a cowboy hat, cowboy boots, just whatever. And I was at my sister's house and I remember it was like 5.30 or six in the morning. And one of my nieces woke me up and she was like, she woke me up and she's like, I want milk, I want milk. And I'm like, okay, like I was, I guess it was, I was a lucky contestant. So I walked downstairs and I got her mouth. We went and sat on the couch. And the only person awake was my uncle Carl. And he had this big cowboy hat on, you know, and jeans and cowboy boots. And he had one leg over the other and he was reading a newspaper. And my niece, who was like four or five at the time, asked me like, what is that? What is that? I'm like, it's a newspaper, right? Again, trying to explain this to a four or five-year-old. And she said, what's a newspaper? I said, it's the news, but it's what happened yesterday. And she looked at me like I was crazy. And I swear to God, um, she reached down and picked up the iPad that was sitting next to us. And she's like, wait, isn't this news? And she showed it to me. I'm like, yeah, this is the news that happened today right now. But that was yesterday's news that, yeah. And I just like, I'm like, wow, that's going to be obsolete. I mean, you can't, how do you explain that to a four-year-old, right? How do you explain that to a four-year-old? That's really, really, that's the perfect metaphor. You know, that is how to explain it. And when you're saying, I mean, it's Instagram is instant and you can see if people like what you're posting when you have so many followers, you can see what works and what doesn't work. So you were saying now at the beginning, it was kind of more or less around your area, like the West coast of the yeah. US, Mexico, Hawaii. When did you born... start going far? Yeah. Um, great question. So 2015, I got invited to the Maldives. That was my first like super far trip. Uh, I think it was my first super far trip too. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I got invited to, um, actually it was like Thailand, Maldives and Bali were all like within a two year period. I don't remember which one came first, but you know, there was a luxury villa in Koh Samui, Thailand, oh, wow. 14 bedrooms that invited me Said, bring your whole staff, make videos, make content, just come. It's like a luxury villa uh hotel where they have like it's a private luxury villa on its own grounds its own uh you know spa with its own uh, pool its own beach its own living room and cooking area they provide a chef they provide full staff like it's like being in a hotel but you're in your own villa and we went there and i just remember being like wow this is incredible and then next i was in bali and then i maldives is where it really was just like oh my god you know i got to go to like three or four different resorts I mean, that obviously highly motivated me, right? Because now I'm I'm doing things and they're paying for my airfare. And the, the, now I'm doing things that like are way beyond my means, but really started to mirror that vision board that I had made all, all the way back in the day and posted to Facebook, like private islands with white sand beach. That's what, you know, the Maldives, that's all that it is, right? Like private island, white sand beach, every, and I didn't know this before visiting the Maldives that every island is just one resort. That's not like Bora Bora, Hawaii or Fiji, where there's like, you know, they're huge islands. And the Maldives are just really small atolls. Some of them you can walk around in 15 minutes. 
but it is a private island just for that resort. So yeah, that's when it really started. I'd say like 2015, 2016 is when it really started to um, kick in. And, and then, yeah, like by that time I was all in and uh, I, I knew I had made the right decision and, and yeah, it was, it was a great decision to make tough at the time, but, but definitely paid off. So that's, is it possible to do that today? Is it possible for somebody, because we have people listening. First of all, I want people who are listening to us. I just want to repeat vision boards work, make a vision. board. people think, oh, it's silly. You know, it's these women who, who make a vision board and it works because what you focus on is what you find. You, how is the universe going to know what to serve you if it doesn't know what you are wishing for? And uh, I think right. this is very, you made a very, very important point there. But now, of course, people want to know, can they do what you do? Can they do what you did? Correct. Um, yeah. And, and the answer is yes. Um, one of the things I'm the most proud of from creating my company was uh, about 2015, 2016, I started to get more invitations to hotels and resorts around the world that I could possibly make it to. But there was a lot of like photographers and talented people that I had found on Instagram whose content that I had used that performed very, very well. So I created what was called Lux Prime. It's really like an ambassador program where um, these people became an extension of me and they pay an annual fee. And then I would allow them to, you know, go out and take these stays and these invitations on my behalf, under my company's behalf, because I knew they could go take great photos and videos. And, you know, ultimately the hotel just wants us to post. But I, again, you know, like, I think in 2018, we had like 5,000 invitations, right? There's just no way I could get to 5,000 places in one year. It just doesn't make sense, right? 365 days, 5,000 invitations. So um, I started the process and I helped a lot of people who had, zero followers or small amount of followers through this program that I run. Um, it's like a mini travel uni influence university, be able to start their career. And uh, it's funny enough, I have, uh, I think five or six of the people that have gone through that process that now have over half a million followers. They travel the world for free. And when anyone asks me, is it too late? Um, my number one response is no. And again, it's because we're still shifting to an entire digital marketing world. Right. And the next five years, literally TV won't be obsolete, but I feel like magazines and radios will be pretty much all but obsolete. Right. So all that attention has to go somewhere. And the fact of the matter is, is that 91 percent of the time people spend on their smartphones now is on social media apps. And it's only getting more and more. So as that trend continues to go and now half the half of, uh, the entire planet, over three point eight billion people have smartphones. That's just the future of marketing, right? And like I was telling you before, there's over 40 million plus hospitality companies out there that need content created, that need digital marketing. And I would say, you know, most of them, 95% still have no idea what they're doing. And within the travel space, travel world, there's so much diversity. And I think there's just room for everyone, right? Because I have people that I've worked with that are like, couples that are older. And then I have like solo backpackers. And then I have like people I work with that do gay and lesbian travel. And then I have a couple that has two kids and they've done family travel. And then I have another one, uh, I have a, a blogger out of uh, Orlando, Florida, who's a foodie and likes to go to all the Relay Chateau properties. And I have another one um, that just loves that focuses on eco travel. And like, so under the constraint of travel, there's so many different subsections, right? And I feel like marketing, you know, five years from now, will people, people will be following 
influencers or creators or whatever term you want to say that are very niche and like that they find very, that they're very passionate about because travel is a huge subject, but everyone has the different things that they like. And so they're going to get the inspiration from if they're an eco traveler, if they're like a vegan and, you know, they, they don't eat meat and they, they're very health conscious and they don't want to stay at a hotel that use single use plastics or that isn't like environmentally conscious then, you know, they're going to follow someone that is the expert in that field. And, you know, and that will be the new, that'll be like the, the new normal is following mm-hmm. people on social media that are really, you really identify with your core values, plus like who you are as an individual. And so I say that there's more than enough to go around because travel is the sixth largest industry in the world, right? Um, in 2022, it's going to eclipse the, uh, uh, what was it like $8 trillion dollars? Uh, in, in revenue and the world is such a big place that like there's enough for everyone to go around and you and and the other thing is people are like well it's so hard to go on social media but I'm like look I know people that have like 30 40 50 thousand followers that do this full time because they understand the space so mm-hmm. it's never too late and I think there's plenty of opportunity for a lot of people to get involved in this and um, you know and I enjoy training them to do it so and that's uh, that's what we are going to put in the show notes so people can get in touch with you and learn from you. Now, big question. What did you do during COVID? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. So I was actually one of the first people in the U.S. to get COVID. I had COVID January 2nd, 2020, uh-huh. right? I had it before we even knew what COVID you was. You didn't even know what it was. I didn't even know. My doctor didn't know what it was. I... Um, I'm a big American football fan in Pasadena. They have a Rose Bowl. It's like a really big college football game. The Rose Bowl arena in Pasadena can hold a hundred thousand people. And I was one of the hundred thousand in this crazy environment. And someone there had COVID and I'm sure like half the stadium left with it. So uh, yeah, I had COVID very early on. Um, in the beginning of COVID, I was in the midst of shutting down my travel agency because it was a debacle, right? Like nobody, nobody was covered for COVID. It wasn't in any of the travel insurances, blah, 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 blah. But then um, what ended up happening was I have a really good client that lives uh, here in Marbella, Spain, where I live now, that owned a resort. And he said, look, um, you have a whole new marketing team. I really need someone to help them with social media, digital media production, and really like, you know, I need someone to manage it. He was in London. His wife was pregnant. He couldn't leave. So he's like, would you be interested in coming and, you know, living at my resort? Spain is open with a curfew, not like the U.S. Like, you know, things are open. There's just a curfew and you have to wear masks. It was still like you could walk into a restaurant with a mask and you sat down, you could take it off. It was just, Mm -hmm. you know, weird, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) That makes zero sense, right? Like you can't walk in without a mask. You could sit down and take it off and someone could be, you know, a meter away from you. And yeah. Um, So I said, yeah, get me out of L.A. because L.A. was completely locked down. Uh, it was one of the worst places, you know, we had riots, we had homelessness issues, we had a lot of theft. So I said, yeah, please, uh, let's do it. And, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to come live at your five-star resort on the beach in Southern Spain and, you know, and not have to like have room service daily and, and, and have all my meals paid for. So I came there to consult for him. And then uh, I was only supposed to be here for three months, but I never left. And that was, uh, you know, about two years ago. So I've been here. There, ever since. 
there are definitely worse places in the world to go through COVID than Marbella. <laughs> so <laughs> I, yeah. I have to tell you, Cyprus wasn't bad either. We had quite a good time here. I mean, we had, obviously, we were not allowed sometimes to go out or we had to send a message because have a nice garden and we have the beach and we have the sun and light. So it's uh, it was it was tough for some people. Now, um, time is passing very quickly, but I want to uh, touch a subject that we discussed before we started. You are connected to people who had to leave Ukraine. You were affected by that and you actually traveled to help somebody get out. Tell me what you want to tell. Yeah, I mean, it became very personal for me. So, um, you know, in the summer of 2021, um, I was doing some traveling uh, and I met my current girlfriend now in Egypt. You know, she wanted to get out of, she was living in Ukraine at the time. And I actually went to go visit her and her family twice uh, in August and September of 2021. And then in November of 2021. So I actually spent three months in Ukraine. I actually got fined like 20 euros because I was a three day overstay. <laughs> that was the fine 20 euros. Like you were here two extra days. So it's 20 euros. I'm like, okay. Yeah, and I had to fill out a form admitting that I stayed there overstayed. But yeah, so I got to actually see the country. Um, you know, she was living in Odessa, Ukraine, which is in the Southern part on the, on the Black Sea, but her family lived in a city called Dnipro, which was in the Northern part. And so I got to spend quite a bit of time there. Uh, and, you know, she had expressed that she wanted to leave we came, uh, I did a press trip with the Tenerife Tourism Board in October and on the way there, we stopped in Marbella. I showed her to where I go, this is where I'm from. And, you know, obviously Marbella is just beautiful. You have the mountains, you have the sea, it's gorgeous weather. I mean, it's it's hard to beat in Europe. Um, so she really liked it. So we made a decision that we were going to come back here in December of 2021 and apply for our, you know, our visas so we could stay here. And um, we were in the process of doing that. And then the war broke out at the end of February. Um, and two days after the war broke out, our visas got approved. So then we jumped on a plane. We had to go through Italy, uh, do an overnight, and then into a little tiny, tiny town in the northwestern part of Romania called Suchava, which, you know, doesn't see a lot of tourists and is really in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's no one goes to Suchava for vacation. That's what that means. <laughs> underserved area and you know we landed there and it's snowing and it's freezing and uh we landed put our stuff in the hotel uh, a driver came and picked us up and you know we had a four-hour drive from this suchava romania through the middle of nowhere in in romania into moldova um and then from moldova to the uh, right across from the border of ukraine and we ended up picking up her mom and her two children at a gas station, someone had driven them across the border from Ukraine. We picked them up at a gas station, right? Um, and then collected them and drove back through Moldova to Romania and uh, had to be in Suchava for a week because the local airport there probably saw 10,000 people a year. And in the midst of, you know, a week probably saw that big of a demand mm -hmm. in one week. So uh, it was really tough to get out of there. But yeah, we brought them back to Southern Spain and uh, luckily they're here now and safe, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a unique travel experience I'll never forget. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely amazing and well done for doing that. Thank and you. I am sure that the hotel in Romania was a little bit of a contrast to the $1,500 hotel rooms that you are used to. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I mean, it was a bed and breakfast. You know, it was cozy. And it was I'm fun. only joking. <laughs> yeah, no, it was cozy and fun, but there there was no, yeah, five-star resorts in Tijuana. Yes, yes, uh, I've been to Romania a few times. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have to do what you have to do, right? And like, that's the thing for me, though, I've come from humble beginnings. Like, yes. My family could never afford the places that I've been to, so... Yeah. I, you know, I, I really try to keep myself grounded. I've never allowed myself to be like, oh my God, I can like, it's like. But you're enjoying it. You're enjoying it and appreciating it. What's, what was the most beautiful place? Do you have one? I mean, it's a bit of a stupid question because I'm sure you've been through many, many beautiful, but is there one place where that really stuck out where you said, oh my God. Mm, yeah, it's, that's, that's a, I get that question a lot. I know, I know. It, it's it's like, so it, tough because I think now I've been to, you know, in surplus of like 500 mm-hmm. luxury hotels around the world, which just sounds crazy, right? Like if you rewind to me when I lost everything in 2009 and said, oh yeah, by 2022, you will have a, you'll have done this. I would have told you you're absolutely crazy. Like, <laughs> like, right. Like you're just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, there's, there's like a couple different places that like I've, that I, that like really, really have stood out to me. Um, just all things being equal. Uh, I would say one of my favorite places in Hawaii, which is really, really not that known, but I think is a unique luxury experience is the four seasons in Lanai. Lanai is a tiny Island. You can take a ferry there from Maui. It's like 45 minutes or you can actually fly there, but you know, not a lot of people do that, but, uh, you know, for me, I like, luxury resorts but i don't like now i don't like staying at places with like four or five hundred people right like i don't want to fight for a chair at the pool mm-hmm. i don't want to go to a buffet with a hundred people mm-hmm. you know like i i just like yes. the crowds for me whatever and so larry Alveson obviously owns the whole island of lanai the founder of uh, oracle um and he has two four seasons there now one is on the beach and they have one that's a mountain lodge which is crazy and another reason why I tell people they need, they should, you know, if they're going to Hawaii, they should go there is because you are literally on the beach, white sand, beautiful teal water. You can, you can um, snorkel there. It's gorgeous. They have these cliffs that you can walk on. that get like, you know, 50 meters above the air, above the ground and they make for like great photos and like private coves. And the hotel is very modern. You know, I love modern luxury. Like everything, the TVs are great. The, 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 the rooms are great. The, the, the closets are great. The coffee machines are great. Like everything's like new and like super ultra modern. But then you literally can drive 15, like 15, 20 minutes, right? On this tiny island in Lanai. And they have a Four Seasons Mountain Lodge there. And I swear you feel like you're, in, if you've ever been to Colorado, you feel like you're in Telluride, Colorado. Like the entire atmosphere changes. The, the weather drops like 20 degrees Fahrenheit, 25 degrees and you have trees, you know, and like mountainous uh, terrain. So it's just a unique experience. It's on this little island in Hawaii, and you would never even think it, right? Like you wouldn't know. And like, so for me, when people ask me about like where I really like, to me, it's like going somewhere where you can have really unique experiences like that and not really even know about it. And I don't think too many people really know about no, that. I've never heard of it. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So Fantastic. now you know. You yeah. have to put it on the, you'll have to put it on the bucket list. So yeah, places like uh, like that were are great. And then, you know, I've stayed at, oh God, I don't know. It, it really depends on what I'm in the, what, what's yeah. my uh, appetite, right? Like if it's mm-hmm. more Mediterranean, I also love Villa Treville in Positano. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of my, Positano is one of my favorite places in the world. Maybe I think one of the most 
romantic, uh, naturally romantic places I've ever been, you know, and you have these big mountains that collapse into the sea and everyone is probably seen on Instagram, the Positano, you know, town, it's like all the colored buildings and very, very unique, but the water is amazing. The food is amazing. The culture is amazing. And, you know, there's very few places in the world where you have like mountains that really like drop into the sea and to like a sea that's like swimmable. So uh, that's another one of my favorite places. And Villa Treville is like arguably the nicest hotel in Positano. One of my friends um, that I've met through Instagram owns it. And uh, uh, it's just quite magical, right? Like if any guy asks me like, where should I propose to my girlfriend? I'm like, look up this place. You do it there, you're golden. (laughs) Amazing, amazing. So let's get to the end. You um, were telling me about something that you are about to offer a a, a course. Tell us about Yeah, you know, um, the number one question we've been asked ever since I started my Instagram page, this is via direct message, via email, via, via, um, you know, our website. How can I get started in a career in travel, right? How can I start? Because I love to travel and I want to get into that, but I don't know where to start, right? And everybody wants to, to get into that. And so, you know, for the last 10 years, I have really learned the business of travel. I've had multiple businesses in the travel industry. And uh, I have this program that mini travel university that I've, that I've run for the last eight years, but I can only take on like 25 students a year, right? It's not really scalable. I can't take on, I mean, I have three, over 3 million followers. So I, I, it's only so much that I can do, but still the number one question is how can I do that long-term? And then on the other side of it, I really noticed that like, you know, with all the places that I've been to and all the hotels that I visited and, and, and all the meetings that I've had in hotels by attending these big travel conferences, it's like, I'd meet someone and be like, ah, this beautiful hotel in Belize on a private island, you know, or I have this incredible, you know, eco resort in Costa Rica, or I have this awesome, you know, beachfront villa in Mykonos. And they, people would be telling me about their hotels and resorts. And I'd be like, oh my God, it sounds amazing. And then, you know, with our generation, what do you do first? You don't even go to the website. You look up their Instagram and I go to their Instagram and I'd be like, oh my God, like you said, it sounds, you said it's incredible, but I'm looking at your Instagram and I wouldn't, visit it. I wouldn't go there. I, <laughs> I wouldn't go there because your Instagram is horrific. Right. And, <laughs> and, and it's so funny now that like, there was a poll that was recently taken um, for people on between 21 and 30 years old. And it said, how important is some as a company's Instagram, hotel Instagram page and you booking? And it was the number one affecting factor. So just let that sink in. The number one factor affecting these under 30 year old consumers is how pretty the Instagram page of these, some of these places are. Crazy. Yeah. And I personally noticed that like 99% of people in hospitality don't have spectacular Instagram pages. Like their hotel could be absolutely stunning and their Instagram is absolutely horrific who's got six of these and, uh, you know, in 2023, she'll have 12 weeks of free travel staying at her client's pages. I mean, and think about this, 12 free weeks, right? They pay room and board, not alcohol, but who cares? So 12 free weeks of a free room at a luxury hotel, she's actually working for them. She's making three and a half times what she used to make at her old job. And she cannot do it all from uh, the comfort of her own home on Instagram, right? And compared to what she was doing, I won't say what it was, but um, it's quite a difference, right? She hated her old job. And so for me, this is really like the culmination of 10 years of watching the industry, watching it evolve, studying the hospitality professionals, seeing where they're falling short, then recognizing the actual consumers who would love to travel and then creating you know, this course 
that actually will help both of them. One, the hotels, resorts, and hospitality companies will have a, a much better image visually of who they are and not lose out on clientele because they don't know what they're doing. And on the other side, I'm teaching a skill set in 2022 where there's 39.9 million potential clients, right? And it's a viable skill set and it's not going anywhere. And as the world evolves, yes, there'll be other platforms. Once you know how to do it successfully on one, you can you can transfer those skills. So yeah, I'm super excited about it. Um, it's called uh, Hospitality IG Academy. And uh, you know, if you go to my Luxury World Traveler Instagram page, in our link tree, it's the first option. Uh, you can click on that. You can register. We're in pre-sale. Um, but yeah, I mean, for anyone that wants to be their own boss, would love to love, learn to love how to travel, would learn, learn to love a skill set where there's actually a demand for it, right? Like a real demand, not like a fake demand, but where I know there's millions of potential clients and they get to be able to travel uh, and stay at some of these places for free, then... Uh, you know, it'll be right up your alley. So, and I think it'll appeal to a lot of people. <laughs> Amazing. All those links will be in our show notes. I could talk to you forever. I, I, we have, I haven't covered half of what I wanted to talk to you about. Maybe we'll have to do another one, but. We can do another one. Yeah, we can do another for one. For now, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk, to be on Most Memorable Journeys. It was a real pleasure and, um, Maybe I'll ask for a job as well because I, <laughs> I got I just got very, very motivated. Chill and Tolin, thank you so much for being my guest today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share, and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.